0: I'm going to put it in the front. Maybe that's easier. Right. <laughs> While I'm doing this, um, we've been just been interviewing people within the kind of our church. Okay. Got to Pete. It's all right. Um, um, and just asking them some questions, what they do and, and what their challenges are. So, could so Maddie and Alex, do you want to make your way up? Give them a, a round of applause. And a... <clears throat> who wants to go first? first. You go first. Okay. I think it's on. Is it on? Yep. It's on, cool. Okay, so first of all, what, this time tomorrow, what will you be doing and what is your, your job? Okay, I'm a trainee solicitor at a firm in Northampton, I'm currently in the private client department. So this time tomorrow, I will be writing to various institutions uh, to let them know that sadly their client has passed away um, and to ask the information we need to deal with their estate Okay, and so what, what, what are your biggest challenges within the work environment and within what you do? I think the biggest challenge is building relationships, particularly in the department I'm in. Um, the workload is quite substantial, so people don't have time to stop and chat. We've also just moved into an open plan office, which makes it a lot harder to have meaningful conversations when people around you are trying to get their work done. So that would be what I'd ask people to pray for, to find Time and opportunity to build those relationships. Cool, brilliant. Okay, that's good. Cool. So we're praying for <coughs> relationships, which probably a lot of us can actually relate to. Um, okay. So, Maddie, what, I know you're not in work tomorrow because you've had your eyes lasered. Okay, which is I just find that terrifying. Um, but um, so, what is your what's your kind of day to day look like?
1: Um, so I work at a uh, book publishers in Northampton and. What I do is I kind of take our books and try and sell them to foreign publishing houses who might go on to kind of translate them and publish them in their country. So day to day I'll either be kind of in the office doing admin, contacting people by phone or email, sending out books, trying to see if they like them, or alternatively I might be visiting a different country to kind of do some market research, be it a book exhibition or um, actually visit customers in their, in their own offices.
0: And so what are your what are your biggest challenges within that job and that environment and what, if people were to pray for you what would you ask them to pray for you f- for and about?
1: Um, I feel like at the moment um, at the company there's quite a big culture of working a lot longer than we're meant to and I know I'm certainly guilty of that and I've felt quite kind of convicted in the last few weeks about that um, and it means that I think in some ways people who work the hours they're paid for um, can be maybe looked down on a little bit so that I would like to be able to be stronger and kind of standing up for what I'm meant to be doing and also not falling into that sort of attitude towards other people um, would be one. And uh, maybe another one is that in, in the sales team, it's very sort of lad heavy. There's a lot of young men in their 20s and 30s um, who have sort of quite a different lifestyle to me, I would say. So just that maybe I could try and find things to connect with them over, things to just talk to them about, would be really great as well.
0: Cool. Thank you very much. Okay. Give them another round of applause. Okay, so um, so just to we'll do a brief overview of the God and work. It's a kind of mini-series. I think it's this is week three of it. Um, so the first thing that we picked up on really was that the work is Im- important. Whatever work means for you, maybe you're a stay-at-home parent, maybe you work full-time, maybe you work part-time, maybe you're retired and it's in relation to volunteering. Um, but whatever you do for work, it's important because you spend a lot of your day doing it, a lot of your time doing it. So other than sleeping, it's probably the thing that you do the most of. Um, so the first week, we looked at kind of who, who are we working for? Um, you obviously have an employer, but, but looking at the, the idea that actually Jesus is your boss, and you might look at your boss and think, he's definitely not Jesus. But actually the idea that, that in all that you do, in all of your work, you're, you're really working... Jesus, you're working to, to glorify him um, and to almost to represent him in the workplace that you are, you are in. Uh, and this, within that, there was this one thing that really challenged me, which was, was that your, your identity shouldn't be in your work and what you do, which is something I know I can struggle with, um, but actually your, your identity is something that you should take into your workplace as a son or a daughter of God. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is, is living in you, is dwelling in you, and you're meant to take that into your workplace um, and not make your work who you are. Um, I think Steve also just quickly dispelled the myth, you know, the idea that, that working for the church, being paid by the church, is like the ultimate job, but actually the, your, your jobs are equally important and actually we're all in full-time ministry. We're all called um, to live this out day, day in, day out. Um, And that the church is the church at work, not just on a Sunday morning or in in connect groups or anywhere that's a church setting. But but you are the church kind of scattered into your jobs and you're there for a purpose. Um, And then last week, Steve, again, looked at um, influence and looked through the story of Nehemiah um, and just examined a bit of who Nehemiah was and identified these points, that he was a person of prayer, that we should actually be praying for favor in our workplace and for opportunity. The idea that, that Naomi was a man of courage and had to do some slightly courageous things, and we, we should be men and women that are courageous as well. Um, that we should be hard workers, as Naomi was. He looked through the story of him rebuilding the walls, and kind of they worked day and night to get that done. Um, and actually, then the idea that Naomi was where God wanted him to be and was using him where he was. And then the idea that, that in our job, whether, however much you would call it kind of ministry or not, that actually God has put you there for a reason and wants to use you where you are, whether you are dealing with customers or accounts um, or, or clients, or whatever it is, that, um, that God has a purpose for you being there. And actually, if we can connect our, our work and our relationship with God, then maybe we can begin to influence our jobs for, for God's kingdom and God's purposes. Um, and I think I would just n- never underestimate kind of influence and an idea. Um, because I think whether you agree or disagree, you, you either positively or negatively influence your, where you are, where you work. Um, and I think just a bit of testimony, really. I've I've identified in myself that I work slightly too much. Um, I actually need to address that. And um, one of the things I decided I needed to do is I'm self-employed, I have a series of clients, but I have one major client and um, basically came to the conclusion I need to really, really drastically reduce hours for that client to get my life back to kind of redress the balance Um, but when I was I was just having a chat with him about this um, which is never an easy conversation saying I'm just not going to work for you much anymore Um, he just he made one statement that really um, caught me off guard I suppose he said there's all sorts of reasons I want to keep you but the number one reason would be that you're a moral guy I thought that's weird because in my head I've gone I've not been very good at sharing Jesus, I've not been very good at praying for people, um, and when I have prayed for people and God's answered the prayer, I'm freaked out. Um, okay, all sorts of stuff, and, and I've never, I've not had particular influence. I'm kind of one of the quieter guys that just gets his head down and works, but but it interested me that through all of that, he'd picked up that somehow I was this, this moral guy and that my faith directly impacted the, the, the place that I work, and that actually he wanted to keep me, not for my skills, but because he knew that he could kind of rely on me and that I was moral and that I'd stand up for what I thought was right. Um, so we're going to look at integrity today. This is the, the next one. Um, and I'd probably, disclaimer on this, is I do get this wrong. I'm not always integral. And probably that goes for for most of us. And um, But I do try to be integral as much as I can all the time. Um, Uh, Have we got a description? There you go. The quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. Um, This, about November last year, fireworks night, Ash and I were in a, well, Ash was in a a car crash, um, which is all dealt with, it was all fine. Um, About 10 days ago, I had a phone call uh, from somebody, I don't know where they got my details from, saying, you've been in a car crash and we've got some compensation for you. I was like, one of these phone calls smashing, um, but we kind of went. The phone call went on, and I thought I'll have a chat with him and see what he wants. Um, and probably far too long into the conversation after I should have hung up, um, he came up with this weird statement: "Is like that the other insurers will have put some money aside for you just to claim, and it's just there waiting for you. Um, and actually, it doesn't matter if you weren't injured. And this was the statement that got me: he said, because you can claim for whiplash whether you were injured or not, because whiplash isn't a medical thing." I thought, I'm not a physician, but I'm fairly certain whiplash is a a medical thing to do with your neck. (laughs) That's my kind of brief understanding of whiplash. Um, I didn't say anything to him. I just decided that I've had enough of this phone call and, and ended it fairly swiftly. But at some point, clearly, within that business, there was a decision to just outright lie to people. And not only to lie to people, but to get them to lie to claim money and make them money um which for me doesn't speak very much of their integrity as a company um but for all of us whatever we do as a a job or wherever we work we probably all face issues where we're we're kind of challenged to to compromise our principles and compromise our, our beliefs and maybe not do the thing that we think is right um there's a guy called Mark Green who's written a book that I don't know the name of, but um, I know that part of this series has been based on that. Um, it says, In the research I've conducted, the pressure to be dishonest seems to be the number one moral issue facing people at work. Um, and this probably goes for, for almost all of us at different times. I know, so being self-employed, one of the challenges I face working with other people who are self-employed is the constant pressure to kind of fiddle your your income and... Buy things and claim it against your tax, and, and basically be dishonest to the taxman. Um, um, and actually, sometimes being being integral, being honest, can seem unfair because actually, I know lots of my friends who are self-employed will will kind of claim things that they shouldn't, but they end up better off for it, despite being dishonest. And sometimes doing the right thing will leave you worse off, or um, might cost you your relationships with people at work. And sometimes it can seem um, unfair. And it gets more tricky, because it's fine if you're self-employed and you're kind of doing stuff yourself, but actually what do you do if your, your boss asks you to, to do something that's dishonest? Because you've then got the, the pressure of this is my job, this is what I'm paid to do, and the person that tells me what to do is telling me to do something that I know isn't right. Um, and I think in this room, it probably surprises you how many people have these kind of situations come up. However severe, however kind of harmless... Um, but I thought it would be good to quickly just go over just some Bible verses that talk about honesty and integrity. Um, so 1 is 1 Kings 9, 4-5, this is God talking to Solomon. As for you, if you walk before me faithfully, with integrity of heart and uprightness, as David your father did, uh, and do all I command and observe um, uh, all of my decrees, all my laws, God basically goes and say, everything's going to go really well for you. you know, if you uphold those things. Um, Proverbs 10 verse 9 Whoever walks with integrity walks securely, but whoever takes the crooked path will be found out. Uh, Job 27, 5-6 Till I die, I will not deny my integrity. I will maintain my innocence and never let go of it. Uh, my conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. I so thought that's quite a good phrase. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. Um, I used to have the one phrase that stuck with me growing up as a, a teenager. My, my youth pastor would say, Whatever you do, be beyond reproach, which is basically a kind of beyond, a kind of almost like accusation, I suppose. Like just live, it, live at a standard that's beyond those things, because you know that you're being honest and you're being right. And that really, I suppose, stuck with me. Um, although I don't always get it right, that really stuck with me. Um, 2 Corinthians 1.12, now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world, especially in our relations with you, with integrity and godly sincerity. Um, we have done so relying not on worldly wisdom but on God's grace. And his characters in the Bible so Daniel would be one who was integral. He refused to worship other gods um, and ended up in some fairly sticky situations. If you don't know what those are, just read the book of Daniel. It's a fairly, I find it a fairly amazing book um, and fairly challenging. And Joseph is another one who wouldn't sleep with, with Potiphar's wife and instead ended up in jail after he accused her accused him of, of attacking and raping her. Um, But actually, through it all, he maintained his integrity. Um, And we'll see in a minute that that actually God blessed him for that. Um, And then there's Psalm 15, 1 to 3, which says this. "Um, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary and who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow men. Um, who despises vile man, but honors those who fear the Lord? Who keeps his oath, even when it hurts? Um, there's a me- the, the message translation of this is quite to the point. So Psalm fifteen, verse two says, it "Just says, walk straight, act right, tell the truth. Walk straight, act right, tell the truth." Um, I mean, these things can be... It's fine to talk about these things on a Sunday morning, but I think it can be quite hard to then translate this into your workplace and take this into work and maintain this this idea of your your integrity and honesty. Um, And other than God blessing you, I suppose a key reward that you might get from this is is that people like working with other people that they can trust, that they can rely on. Um, And I think I've been interested kind of, in all the build-up to the general election is all the manifestos are coming out and there's all these kind of things coming up. But the, when I talk to my friends, the the biggest question is not really about necessarily political policies. It's really, who can I trust? I mean, out of all these people that have stood up foot in front of us on TV, who's the one that I think's got the integrity to do what they think is right? Even if I disagree with what they think is right. Um, and I think it's... Probably true for it. So if I go and get my car serviced, I always pretty much always take it to the same place because I know that they're, they're not going to tell me that they, they fixed things that they didn't fix and they're not going to um, say that something's broken when it's not. And um, I know that we're due to have a baby, but when I come to pick a childminder, I'm going to go on the reviews of other people and know that they're trustworthy. I'm not just going to kind of, oh, there you go, that one I do. Um, it's going to be a, a kind of careful, measured decision because I want to know that the person looking after our child is right and is, is good and will do a good job. Um, and companies work hard to, to gain our trust, uh, and they can blow it very quickly. So a classic one recently would be when BlackBerry's BlackBerry Mailer system messenger went down. And overnight, seemingly everyone I knew who had a BlackBerry suddenly came in to work with an iPhone. Uh, and what happened? Um, um, in 1992, I do remember 1992... Um, so, but it's, it's hard to imagine a world without the Spice Girls, or Facebook, or Frozen. I was thinking I did—I was doing a talk for uh, Rocky K and was just looking at dates and stuff, and I realised that next year, want Be by the Spice Girls came out twenty years ago. Like crikey! Um, uh, but also, the other things I remember from nineteen ninety-two was Aston Villa was a good football team, which is good. Um, <laughs> So I've maintained my integrity and still still support them. Um, and also, just to, because I know we talk a lot about Star Wars in church, but Star Trek The Next Generation was at a peak in 1992. Yeah. But also in 1992, okay, uh, Hoover, the company that make Hoovers, um, and all sorts of other stuff, um, started this kind of campaign to clear a backlog of washing machines. Uh, and, and Hoovers, and they basically, the promotion was this, I don't know if it will come up on the screen or not, but essentially, if you spend £100 on one of these washing machines or one of these Hoovers, initially it was, we'll pay for your flights into Europe, and then it was, we'll pay for your flights to America. Um, unsurprisingly, quite a lot of people bought washing machines and Hoovers at this stage. Um, but what people quickly realised was there were so many, so it was, there were so many terms and conditions, and getting on the phone to, to somebody was so much hassle to actually get your flights. The, the statement there, was it, does it say unbelievable? There's another advert that says basically claims it's unbelievable, and most people bel- came to believe that actually, yes, it was quite unbelievable. Um, so they get on the phone to um, the travel agents and basically could be sold all sorts of stuff to actually make Hoover back their money so they never had to um, pay out in the first place. Um, to the point where the BBC reported an engineer going to fix a washing machine is stating this to a customer. If you think buying a washing machine... Uh, is going to get you to America, you must be an idiot. Um, which says a lot about, A, what the, the person working in that company thought of their company and potentially their own bosses. Um, but in the end, it caused so much um, upset with people, it cost them, it cost them 40, 48 million pounds, but it also just destroyed a lot of their reputation fairly quickly. Um, and actually, for us, trust is in short supply in the workspace, too. Um... But I do believe that if we're trustworthy, if we're integral, if we're honest, then in the long run, actually, we will be looked on favourably within our workplace. Um, There's a guy called Stephen Covey who wrote a, a fairly influential book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in that book, he says this. Integrity includes but goes beyond honesty. Honesty is telling the truth, in other words, conforming our words to reality. Integrity, on the other hand, is conforming our reality to our words. Um, I'll give you a minute to kind of think that through because there's a lot of stuff. But actually, that for me, that was quite interesting because I know a lot in my workplace, people's words tend to conform to what they think should be right. Um, so um, I, I work in a quite results-driven industry sometimes about marketing. And the way they word things is quite dishonest sometimes. But they kind of word it to make it sound good and actually make out that the reality is something that it's not. Anyway, Kobe continues, one of the most important ways to manifest integrity is to be loyal to those who are not present. In doing so, we build the trust of those who are present. When you defend those who are absent, you retain the trust of those who are present. Suppose you and I were alone and were criticizing our supervisor in a way that we would not dare to do if, we, if they were present. Now, what would happen when you and I have a falling out? You know I'm going to be discussing your weaknesses with somebody else. That's what you and I did behind our supervisor's back. You know my nature. I'll sweet-talk you to your face and badmouth you behind your back. You've seen me do it. And that is the essence of duplicity. Um, I think Steve picked up on this already, but, but integrity is about oneness. So it's an integration of every part of our life, but taking that into our workplace. So we're not kind of, one way outside of work and a different way inside of work. Integrity is bringing those two things together um, and it really being encompassing you as a person. Whereas duplicity is more like being two-faced or having two sides of life or I suppose the classic Christian phrase is at one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Okay. Um, defending people, aren't they, is, a, is just a good way to to show that you have integrity. And I mean, I, pretty much every Place that I've been to work, one of the most common things you get is people bad-mouthing the boss, or bad-mouthing, or usually over a decision or something they do wrong. Um, but even if you agree with what being, is being said, then maybe just a really practical way to show integrity is to say, well, why don't we go and talk to this person about it? Why don't we go and bring it up? Because I know for myself, I, I don't like upsetting people, but I'm aware that I will do it probably more frequently than I should. But actually... I would much rather people just came and spoke to me about that so that I could A, apologise and B, make it right than know that I've upset somebody and they might be saying stuff to other people. Um, And then the other one is when you're being told something in confidence and then you go and tell other people what has been said to you. Um, There's a a story out of the book by Mark Green. A lady called Jeanette Taylor who worked for the military... um, as a secretary so we'd answer the phone and she, she got a phone call one day and asked basically can I speak to your boss and the boss turned around and said he was there at his desk not really doing anything, he said, just tell him I'm not in and uh, she turned around and said hey, I'm not going to do that because it's, it's dishonest and that's not how I work um, um, so I mean the, the story went a few weeks later he then did the same thing he said oh, just tell him I'm not in he said I'm not going to do that, you know that said, no I know, I'm just testing you I'm not sure that's true. Um, But in a situation like that, I think being integral doesn't necessarily mean um, being difficult. You can have integrity and have things be a a kind of a win-win situation without being dishonest, without... compromising your principles. So in the instance of a phone call, this is quite a simple one, and you've got to work this out for yourself in your own workplace, but, but actually rather than saying they're not in, well it's maybe it's that they're not available because whatever they're doing, they're prioritising whatever they're doing over speaking to this person. So actually saying they're not available to speak to you, but I can take a message and pass it on to them. Um, that maintains your integrity, but also it doesn't upset your, your boss. Doesn't Just because you're, you don't agree with what's going on doesn't mean that you can't find a way to still honour honour your, your boss and the company you work for. Does that make sense? Sometimes you have to upset them. Um, um, but for some of us, there's a, suppose, a bit of a more serious question. What if not doing this thing would cost me my job? Because for some of us, that's the reality. Sometimes we we'll are face with the situation like, if you don't do that, then we'll find somebody else to take your job. There's loads of people out there who want jobs. Um, and sometimes it can be can be right, I suppose, to, to leave. And I'm not going to say every time something you don't want to do comes up that you should leave your job because you'll find yourself fairly regularly unemployed. But, but actually, for some of you, maybe it is right to consider moving on from a job, particularly when the integrity stretch you're being asked to make is, is just too much. Um, if you look at, there's a, just a passage in Joshua 1, 7 to 9. I just wanted to share this because I thought it might encourage somebody, and it might be a bit of a, some, a takeaway for somebody. Was this? So this is this is God, I suppose, commanding and commissioning Joshua. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, um, that you may be suc- successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Uh, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Um, then, you'll ha- then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Um, and maybe that's just a passage that you need to, to meditate. Maybe you're in the middle of this kind of decision where you've got to decide whether you, 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 the things you're being asked to do are too against your, your principles and the things that you, you know you should stand up for. Um, um, whilst I was just preparing this talk, I came across the story of a guy called Will. Um, this is a guy who used to go to a church up in Nottingham um, and since moved on. Um, but he was a TV production manager and he felt that the role that he was in, they were asking him to, tre- to stretch his integrity just too much for him to be able to stay. Um, and he, he kind of said that he lost who he was in the job doing this stuff and he woke up one day and realised that this was the case, ended up leaving the job... Um, and him and his partner ended up moving to Nottingham just to get a fresh start, ended up at this this church, and he ended up doing a discipleship year. Um, but what he said was was this, that, that I know that in the decision I make, I will never get that dream house that I was on course to get. But I know that I've done the right thing, and there's not a day that I regret making the decision that I made. Um, you might find that sometimes God will ask you and expect you to do the difficult thing, which might be, Moving on from a job or it might be standing up for, for the principles within your workplace but but actually, I believe wholeheartedly that god will, will bless you for doing that um, and that 's what that 's really what God says to to joshua i 'll be with you the whole way it 's what Jesus says to us in the great commission you know, i 'll be with you always. Um, But I would say if you're in a position where things are really bad like that, the the best thing you can do is get with some Christian friends that you you love and respect and you know are wise and talk through the situation with them because they might shed shed a a different light on it or give you a different solution to it. Um, Don't just up and leave um, and don't come and ask me for money when you realise you haven't got any. Um, But just spend some time doing it. And for some of you, in some industries, there is like... Christian professional organisations that are there to support you and help you. Um, not all of us will have that, but some of you will. Um, and it's worth sometimes just giving them a call and asking their their advice, because there's probably somebody out there who's been in a very similar situation to you. Um, there's a, a really there's a book called "This is quite a mouthful: Beyond Integrity: A Judeo-Christian Approach to Business Ethics," which is obviously always by my bedside table. To, um, <laughs> um, okay, and it says this. Your attitudes and values in your working years are just as important, if not more so, than how you advance your career by moving up a corporate ladder. How many people would regard success has more to do with your position and income um, than the contribution you have made to your community and the person you have become? I don't know if that's true for you. That I, I know it's true for me that talking to a lot of my friends, it's basically the conversation is how much money could you earn? Pretty much in any decision. doesn't matter if it's right or wrong, <coughs> but how much money could you earn? Um, and goes, the, the book goes on to say this. We find it difficult to consider people at success, irrespective of their position and net worth, if they have compromised important personal beliefs and virtues, uh, and have been less rather than more of the person God would have them to become. Um, When things come up, you can't always just rationalise them away. Say, oh, it's my boss's decision. It's not, just, it's not my problem. I'm just going to do what they say um, and let them get on with it and face the consequences. Um, and the, the, I think the reason you can't do that is you'll wake up one day and realise that you've become somebody you didn't want to be. And I found this myself. So when I went self-employed, I had fairly reasonable working hours. And gradually over time, I said yes and yes and yes and yes to more ridiculous deadlines. And woke up one day and went, what am I doing? All I'm doing is working. I'm not doing anything that I felt God called me to do. I'm not. We've got a baby on the way. I've got to sort it out. Like, I, I can't be a bad father. I've got to really adjust my life and sort this out, which led to the conversation about, with my client about stepping down a lot of hours. Um, but if you just keep doing the things and, and not having integrity, then one day you're going to wake up and go, I really need to sort this out. Or maybe you're going to wake up and go, I wish I'd done something different with my life. I wish I'd done it all entirely differently and prioritised differently. Um, i haven't got much time left so i'm just going to do this really quickly if we find ourselves under pressure um to do things that stretch our integrity um and encourage us that we're in situations where we're encouraged to be dishonest there's a number of things you can do one is uh to stay and do nothing in other words to compromise um and this becomes particularly tricky, I think, if you've made known to other people at work that you are a Christian because they are going to look at you as a Christian and, and think, well, this is what they say they believe and this is what they do. Um, and we do that to other, I do that to other people when they, say, when they say they're going to do one thing and do another. I know not everybody gets that right all the time. I certainly don't. Um, but people will be watching you. The second option uh, is to leave. Um, and sometimes an environment is just too toxic for you to be able to maintain your integrity and stay. Um, but actually, I think that for for a lot of a lot of the time, the third option is better. You know, stay and be distinctive. You know, as, as Christians, we're called to be salt. That's what Jesus said, and that's quite a distinctive flavour. Um, and it's meant to to preserve the life of things. Basically, is is the reference. Um, we're meant to stay, be distinctive, and, and influence you. Um, wherever we are, and that's what Steve spoke about last week, so I'm not going to go into it too much, but but be honest and be consistent and um, not, don't be two-faced, be loyal, keep things that are confidential, confidential, whatever it is, whether you think you're high up in an organisation or right at the bottom, you are influential in your, your work environment. Um, so I, I suppose in terms of response to this... Um, This is quite difficult because there's so many situations that there could possibly be in so many different work environments. Um, And this has all been quite a kind of broad brushstroke, if you like. Um, But if we were to respond, I guess there would be, for some of you this might be quite timely because you're facing a decision where it's like, I don't know if I can carry on in the job I'm in because of the things I'm being asked to do. Um, Really the thing I would just say is just get someone to pray with you today. Or maybe just ask God to speak to you. um for, for others of us, and this is what I found when I was doing this, that you realise you've kind of, you've, you've relaxed your principles a bit, you've relaxed your integrity a bit. And actually all you need to do is is just redress that stain, and go back to God and say, okay, God, I'm, I, I recognise that maybe I'm not working in a way that I should be. Um, but God is the God of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances and on. Um, and actually, he wants to restore you to a place where you can be an influence for his kingdom in your workplace. Um, and today is the day to do that. And then the other one was, for some of you, I think as um, picked up on earlier, is for some of you, you just need to have that, make that decision to not be, be lukewarm, as it were, but actually go through that process of refining that can be quite painful, but actually to, to, to find yourself in a place where you're, you're on fire for God.